Hey there everyone, uh, this is Drew, just want to hop in real quick. So in this recording session um, for this episode, we actually ended up recording so much that I'm splitting it into two episodes. Um, the first chunk, that is the episode you're currently listening to, um, is going to be an episode all about how designed for commander cards, in quotes I suppose, um, actually are hurting the game in its other formats and are actually not helping the commander format um, to either an equivalent degree or I argue in the episode at all. Um, so in addition to that, you'll hear us allude to a discussion about the Walking Dead secret layer and its ramifications and how it also fits into this broader conversation. But the episode was so long with both of those topics that I have actually split them into two episodes. So the secret layer episode should also be up today. Um, you'll see it wherever you're getting our podcast as well. So if you want to have the or want to hear the secret layer discussion, it will be there. It'll have its own little intro and all that kind of stuff as well. But I just didn't want you to get confused whenever you hear us talking about talk, talk hear us talking about talking about it, and then don't hear us actually talking about it. Without further ado, I'm going to stop talking now so that I can start talking in the rest of the podcast. Okay. Love you. Bye. The but gimmick of the, the uh, podcast is bad. Uh, is that is that quality. yeah the the whole shtick of it is that it's recorded poorly. Oh, hello everybody and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop, a Magic the Gathering podcast talking about anything from deck text discussions and set dissections. Today we are joined by two hosts and a third host. I'm the third one, Daniel, and the other two hosts are Drew and Josh. Say hello, Drew and Josh. Hello, Drew and Josh. Hello. I apologize in advance. For, okay. Um, <laughs> very Especially good. weird for this one. Uh, I'm not going to ask any follow-up. Today's episode is just going to be a typical old uh, demonstrate the loop, a discussion piece. Uh, this idea was actually presented by uh, host Drew. This was his idea to talk about. I it's do me. not know. Uh, exactly what he's going to be bringing up. I'm excited mm -hmm. to hear it, but I will pass things over to him. Unless does anybody have any news of a sort? <laughs> oh, a uh, news? Yeah, Josh. Apparently, you have some news. Oh, I got a few cards in, and also, I mean, they um finished showing stuff for the highly controversial Walking Dead oh, the, secret layer. Secret but that's layer. like that's like a whole thing. So I don't know if we and ever want to talk about that. Conveniently, I'm actually, uh, this episode's going to touch on that to a degree. Is and it? So, Ooh, yes. Um, then I'll shut the hell up so about it. it at, at the very least, I do <laughs> intend to. I very much intend to because it, it, it illustrates a point later, right. later on in the episode. Very good. Um, All right. Well, then, if that is the case and there's no new news except for the news we may touch on in this very episode, I will pass it over to Drew. Drew, go ahead yeah. and uh, explain to us what your idea for the episode is, and then we'll just hop right into it. Oh, yeah. All right. So um, uh, let me. It's not funny to just lay out the opinion as I actually feel it. So hold on one second. Let me just yeah. uh, do that thing that I hate in YouTube videos. Where, yeah. like, you know, the title Whoop. of the video is, um, oh, what is it? It's just like, um, 
Oh God! It's it, like say it's a movie, and then you're just mm-hmm. like, you know, why Starsky and Hutch is the worst movie ever, and then it starts oh, yeah. off, and like the first thing that the person says, but to first understand blank, <laughs> we must first <laughs> blank, and that's ten minutes of the video, which ultimately just ends up being like, I don't know, it's kind of racist at a part, and then <laughs> but- just make the video a minute long and just say what it is, because I'm not going to question you. You're a YouTube guy. You know what you're talking about. You know what you're yeah. talking about. I'm a podcast guy. All I do is talk, and I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but no, YouTube guys are way, smart. <clears throat> that's they put their faces to their words, so that's they're how you know they're not cowards. Bad. <laughs> they're making Commander <laughs> bad. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, sorry, I had to go across my room so that it it got the aesthetic that I was yelling without spiking the audio. Gotcha. They're making Commander oh. in a suboptimal way, I think. For all of the players, so um, even me, <laughs> to do Drew? The thing that, even me, even even you, even oh. you listeners at home. Um, so to do the thing that Daniel said sucks yeah. and takes up ten minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna do it the fast way. Mostly, Ooh. whenever I I mostly want to define what I mean by the people who play Commander and by the cards that Wizards makes for Commander, just so that. If you listen to this, you know what I'm talking about because those those things don't inherently mean anything. The people <laughs> who play Commander are like, you know, thousands of different individual people. This and is true. So, and mostly I just don't want I don't want my argument to fail because you think I'm talking about this friend of yours that I promise I don't care about. So <laughs> essentially I, I care a little bit. Come on. Well, yeah, that's why you and Daniel are here. Yeah, we're, oh, we're, the we're the carry. The friends yes. he's going to be talking specifically about to hurt are going to be us, Josh. Yeah, I invited oh. them here oh. within range. So uh, essentially, I, d- I define uh, people who play Commander into three general camps, and I also want to get out get out ahead of it and say that I definitely do think that there is crossover between all of these three groups. I don't necessarily think that every player falls neatly into one of these categories and not the other two. But essentially, I look at it as the people who play Commander specifically, also assuming that they are already playing Magic and why they play the Commander format specifically, rather, is that they are typically either playing Commander for the social aspect, the competitive aspect, or the aspect of player expression. And I kind of define those in a social player is just trying to do big, splashy things, but also simple things because they don't want to have to pay a ton of attention to the board. And that doesn't mean that they're playing bad cards. And and a lot of times they're actually playing cards that are very powerful, but they will typically play a lot of board wipes or a lot of things that affect every player because they mostly want to have it get to their turn, them do something big, and then they can move on and continue their conversation. Um, They don't like a lot of uh, tax effects or stacks effects because that means that they can't just play their cards. They have to kind of think through and navigate through a complex board state. Not typically things or the cards that do that do not typically appeal to those players. Um, A competitive player is, I mean, that, that one's, I think, the most obvious here, but it's just players who want things that are efficient and targeted and ideally repeatable um any way that a competitive player can cheat the restrictions of the format is completely on the table and fine because it lets them still have a more powerful deck 
at the end of the game. So if they can have multiple tutor effects or tutor change that reduces redundancy, it makes their deck be more consistent, all good there. If a card breaks the color pie, that's also perfectly fine because it lets them run answers that they normally wouldn't have access to. So cards like Chaos Warp, I think, is a perfect example that it's a remove any permanent in red in a color that wouldn't normally have it competitive players love that kind of stuff but they don't like again as much and i think all these have caveats uh symmetrical effects group hug or randomness so uh like the uh, recent card draineth magistrate which is an asymmetrical effect that effectively prevents your opponents from playing their commanders competitive players love that kind of stuff they like the cards less that are like um uh rest in peace or what there's the one that shuts off all artifact abilities oh uh uh, damping collector oof collector oof is an example yeah like it's not saying the other one stranglehold that's the one players can't search uh, libraries and they can't search libraries and Ah. now i think all of those have a caveat with competitive players will absolutely run them but on a face value thing they tend to like those types of cards less because they are strictly speaking worse for them than answers that are asymmetrical and randomness also its caveat is if you can repeat a random effect an infinite amount of times it is now no longer random look at any number of the urza decks where strictly speaking shuffling your deck and playing the top card is a random effect but those decks try to do that an infinite number of times and at that point it is no longer a random effect um and then group hug is just that helps your opponents get resources you don't want to do that and then uh People who play for player expression are typically either playing a a kind of jank or not fully supported tribe. They are playing a theme or a Vorthos deck, or they are playing uh, unset commanders. They are they are playing to either say, look at this thing that I could do, or look at the way that I'm telling the story through the cards that I pick, things like that. And, and now again, like to reiterate, I do definitely think that there are crossovers between all of those. I like to think of myself as I'm kind of a little bit of all three. I definitely like to socialize with my friends when I play, but I also build decks that I think either the commander is interesting or I think the interaction is interesting. But that doesn't mean that I I run cards that are suboptimal. I also try to run the strongest cards for the things that I do. Yeah, I'd say I'm a crossover between um, a magic player and a walking dead player. <laughs> personally <laughs> oh, i've got the perfect product for you <clears throat> i don't know if i understand that um, oh just the John, word just crossover yeah he just said yeah. the word crossover I, I ran with that is it okay that's a so different okay. episode josh oh we, uh, we'll see <laughs> we'll see this is up to drew uh, yeah uh, no but i would agree with that statement i do think yeah. that um I think that in a lot of ways, I'm probably just the first and the third, unless the mm-hmm. third requires the second. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because it's like, and, and I think like it's also like for our playgroup specifically, I think there's a lot of times where we just have, we've done the joke of let's have the spike match, and we just <laughs> have grabbed whatever random decks, and it's funny because I think our decks have always worked when we've done that, despite the fact mm-hmm. that like, it's not as though we plan ahead to do a spike match that night. So we don't even necessarily always have like the, I don't know, the most tuned deck on hand, but those have always played pretty well, which is interesting. Hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I know which of my decks uh, happened to work a little better Mm -hmm. than I may have thought they would. 
Oh yeah, the the <laughs> accidental synergy. And I mean, like those those three archetypes. I mean, you could probably. I'm not going to do that here, but those are essentially the ones that also Magic designs for the yeah, Spike, yeah. Timmy, or Tammy um johnny mm -hmm. or jenny or whatever like uh, they i just kind of have renamed them and refocused them so it's a bit clearer kind of what i'm talking about i um, i do like that spike is gender neutral and i think the other ones yeah. need to get on board <laughs> they just need to the three types need to be like spike spake and spoke and just that is the three names for all of them that way it's nice and confusing yeah um, and then from there i i kind of identify um what what do I say like makes a card for commander quote unquote? Um, the first category is really easy. A card that appears in every commander product is uh. a four commander card. Or if it has the, the like rules text of commander in its rules text, I kind of put those as those are four commander. So, I mean, that's your soul rings. That's command tower. That's commander sphere. That is now arcane signet. Uh, I think right. all of those are made explicitly for Commander. Mm -hmm. And then any card that... Um, and th this one is definitely a bit more subjective. I think you could argue against the ones that I pick and argue for things that I don't immediately see. But I think that cards that don't have explicit support for them in the thing that they are released in. So uh, Najila is actually a tricky example because while there are warrior synergies in Battlebond where she is released... I would argue mm -hmm. that she is definitely a made for commander card just because I think she is a more valuable card in that format than she is in limited. But that one I think is debatable. Um, Smothering Tithe, I think is a better example in Ravnica limited. There's not a lot of a way. There's not a lot of ways to abuse or make your opponents draw a bunch of cards to really get a payoff from that. And mm -hmm. there's not a lot of other treasure synergies in that set standard mostly because Ixalan by that point had rotated out. So like Smothering Tithe is, <clears throat> I think, playable and good in its standard and limited environment, but its its support really exists outside of that. It exists more so in Commander. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, There's a couple of fringe, like, against the odds decks that yeah. um, abuse the heck out of Smothering Tithe, but those mm -hmm. are not, like, tournament... And, and, and that's kind of the thing, right? decks. Because, like, it's while I think every format, you know, just like I said, how there is, like, the the three player archetypes that Wizards designs for and they think that, you know, they're playing every format and they might be correct. I'm not looking into that. That's not my point today. <laughs> like, it's it's there are people who will play a deck to express themselves, but in standard, they're just not going to have a good time. That format's not really built for them in the way that Commander is. And I think, uh, though, so that is kind of my working definitions there, um, as far as the types of players and then the types of cards that I'm kind of referring to. Um, and so now that I've gotten that out of the way, damn it, we're 13 minutes in. I'm going to assume we started oh. at four minutes so that I didn't take 10 to do it. <laughs> but now, yeah. uh, All right. we're, we're, we're in, we're into the actual kind of discussion part. So yes. Um, kind of my, my, my thrust here is that I don't think that, I don't think that designing cards that are for, that are like explicitly for commander are, I don't think that they are good for the format. And I, I kind of have a, um, 
a thing that I haven't ex- I haven't experienced personally, but I have kind of um, seen in discussions and such from older players who have this stance. Um, notably, older players or players who have been playing longer than me, who are now playing Commander, and then just kind of my personal uh, anecdotes and stuff with the format. But um, primarily, uh, I want to kind of start with I guess what is the most empirical I guess thing about it is, but even this is an opinion. Uh, I think that. The cards that are either omnipresent in all in all commander formats, kind of putting themselves in the place of like being a staple card, essentially. I think that they aren't good for just about any given uh, player archetype, as I've defined them. So, I mean, the one the one that's the easiest there with a staple card. So, like a soul ring, like uh, arcane signet in a multicolor deck like cyclonic rift in a mono blue deck or i mean you could argue any deck running blue period mm-hmm. um player expression's easy it is harder to express yourself if you are basically having to give up x percent of your deck to just run the staples that get a deck to run or get it to run as efficiently <clears throat> as the other decks are due to all of them running the staples and that just gets into uniqueness it's not like it's harder to say this is uniquely your deck if it's running the same 45 cards as another given deck right um mm-hmm. not to say it's impossible but it's definitely more difficult um social players i think again it gets into this idea where like it's again they they want to be able to have the big impact at the table so they do want to run the staple cards that are more powerful but they aren't trying to invest a lot in the game as much as they are in the experience of hanging out with their friends but rec- like if they have to be knowledgeable about all these cards and all these interactions to literally play it makes the game less fun for them or because they're having to go and like know that there's a there's a card that could bounce all their spells they're having to know these interactions um the competitive one i think is the trickiest but i think it's the kind of thing where if you're playing staples and your opponent automatically knows what half your deck is it makes it harder to beat your opponent it gives you less mind games to play and less kind of tricksy plays to do yeah it it turns Hmm. it more into a a game of just well what of the cards that i know are gonna be in there are in Mm -hmm. his hand at the moment instead of um Right. You know, any kind of weird workaround roundabout types of plays. It's just like, well, do they have Cyclonic Rift? Do they not? Is it going to be yeah. just a flat out, uh, what's the what's the one? Mana Drain? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Mana Drain and all yeah. this stuff. Like, it's theirs. Because I think it's the... Because, like, even, like, with... um, So, like, you know, Saffron Olive with Goldfish, he does the against the odds thing. And part of the, the competitive edge kind of to that entire series, if you can even look at it that way, is the fact that if your if your opponent doesn't know how to deal with your strategy, you will beat them. And that's like that that's kind of I think what scratches the itch for competitive players to use new cards at all is that hopefully they can maybe find some uh, like up to that point unforeseen interaction that lets them kind of get the advantage there. Hmm. But if the card is just like an auto include, there is no surprise element and so then it's just literally at that point you might as well just see who got a high roll on a dice if both of you are running all staples, because then it's just who got the better hand. They don't even get like that kind of fun interaction for them. Okay, so I have a question because I'm yeah. not very knowledgeable about this specifically. Um, like, to what degree, apart obviously from like the actual like commander decks that they make, to what degree yeah. are are wizards like explicitly making cards in like regular standard sets that really kind of are designed with commander in mind 
that are designed. So like, um, I think that that does get into a judgment call. I did kind of look, try to like look it up and find explicit examples. Uh-huh. And even in some of the, um, even in some of like the articles on the on the mothership about the design of a set, they aren't really upfront with. Uh, like in making this set, we made this like in making um, what is it? I guess Ravnica Allegiance is what Smothering Tithe is made in. They don't point out uh-huh. they go. They don't really say like we made Smothering Tithe and hoped it would go into Commander directly. They aren't right. really that kind of upfront, and so that's where I kind of have to apply. Uh, just kind of, I have to reverse engineer what I think indicates that kind of card. But yeah, it, it's right. sort of like when you look at um. Like, look at Zendikar Rising and be mm-hmm. like, I wonder what cards they made specifically for Standard. And then you look at the fact mm-hmm. that they have 10 of the possible color pairs as mm-hmm. new legendaries. And then kind of yeah. go, ah, okay, there's yeah. there's a new yeah. uh, two-color legendary for each possible combination all smacked mm-hmm. into this set. And I think very, thinking off the top of my head, I don't know from the Standard and stuff i've been playing on arena if i've really run into any of them in like a competitive yeah. sense and that and yeah. like and that, that though like i think that is kind of tricky because i like in a, in a situation where it's ideal it's also a card that fits into its standard environment but like i think um one of the good examples from from uh from zendikar rising i think is actually and this one i think is kind of it's tricky for me to argue because i i actually like the card but uh Verizal, mm-hmm. the split current the uh kind of essentially the okay, other kicker yeah. commander so yeah. it is it, its mechanic is supported in its limited environment by being there's there is kicker in this kind of draft set here but kicker is not a mechanic that is widely supported in a general sense like if yeah. you were to build a kicker standard deck and have it be viable because you're missing what i think are like the historically good kicker payoffs like right mm-hmm. replication or some of these just kind of more bonkers spells very a, a viable Verizal standard deck i would be surprised to actually see and so it's kind of this thing where I, I look at that card and i kind of interpret that as being made for commander i'm a more a better example actually in the same set is forsaken monument forsaken monument i think is absolutely mm. a commander designed card or a card oh, designed yeah. to go into commander because i do not believe that there is a colorless deck in standard right now yeah, I don't I think, don't that think so, but yeah. I will tell you huh. this. If I start playing against like um the pack beast that's all of the <laughs> creature types <laughs> and ginger brutes come swinging at me and people are like playing yeah. colorless forsaken monument ginger brute, yeah. that's that's a standard environment I welcome with open arms. Oh, is absolutely. <laughs> no. But but no, that is a that's a perfect example. I yeah, you know, and on the Verizal thing, I would I would have just said all ten of them. but that that goes into i don't know if that is because they weren't supposed to be like if they were designed specifically for commander or if the format is in such a wonky position Mm -hmm. that there doesn't exist a realm where those cards that wizards might have really wanted to see play uh Mm -hmm. can and be able to compete in any in any true sense yeah Right. But I, I think though it's it, like I think even there to like so like Forsaken Monument I think is kind of just a good working example because it's so new and mm-hmm. so like it's I I don't think that Forsaken Mo- Monument and again I would just like Daniel I would love to be proven wrong because uh, <laughs> I would love to see any deck that's not four color Omnath get play in standard but 
Um, let's then look at Forsaken Monument and and kind of the uh, the crux of my argument is why is this bad for Commander though? Because on the on his face it looks like this just enables colorless and that's rad. Like I I, I do want to give it credit in that I do like this, but I think it is less fun where you go like every colorless deck is now just absolutely running Forsaken Monument unless the person building it either deliberately chose to avoid it or mm-hmm. i mean frankly i mean let's look at the price of it currently it's currently at release it's eight bucks for the regular non-foil printing i would mm-hmm. say it's probably not out of the it's not out of the realm of expectation to say this is going to go up in price yeah or they just could they literally will. couldn't afford it right mm-hmm. and it being a legendary artifact and being tied to this one plane. Although it is just called Forsaken Monument. I could see this getting printed in other sets and stuff with new art, but like it's not a card that is as easy to reprint as something, you know, like a soul ring, but it is a staple for colorless decks. And so it's kind of a, it's a thing where when you see a deck list, that's not running it. If you're aware of the card, it's kind of a, why not? And that means that it's just, it is a, uh, like as a commander player, at least for me, I think that's less fun. Like it's, I, I definitely like the, I like the interaction of people seeing a card and go, Oh, like people being surprised that you did include something instead of asking why you didn't include X, Y, Z. Right. Yeah. And I was, I was just looking through, I was just looking through Mm -hmm. and, and in terms of the idea that this card at the very least wasn't designed with the set that it's in, in mind, I think there are only three lands that tap for colorless in Zendikar Rising, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. You've got um, Base Camp, which in general is going to be mm-hmm. used for any color for the party creatures. Yeah. You got Crawling deck. Barons. Crawling Barons, sure, will do it. Uh, and then you have <laughs> Throne of McKindy, which you would preferably be using for the two mana for kicked spells. I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's anything else in the set proper that taps for colorless. Well, you can't look at just the set because the set doesn't exist as just the set. It exists as standard. So you'd have to Mm -hmm. take a look at standard as a whole. Yeah. But in which case you're not getting that much more. You're getting animal sanctuary, uh, bonders, enclave. Uh, you already mentioned crawling barons. Um, Field of Ruin. Is Field uh, of the Dead banned still? Field of the Dead. Not, well, Field of the so. Dead would have yeah. rotated out. Oh, it's Radiant it Fountain oh. actually is not a pretty, not a bad colorless land. That's not bad. <laughs> but like, and that, and that's kind of the thing because uh, like it's uh-huh. while while again it's in an absolute sense I like because I think colorless is a is difficult to build around. I'm I well actually now that I've said that I'm actually kind of torn on it because. While I do like that this archetype that I think gets a uh, gets less play because of it being so difficult, and so I do like it being more accessible to more players by there being more pieces to it to let it kind of function. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of gets into a deck building thing that I definitely really resonate with, where I kind of look at my my experience of playing Commander. I think has two big challenges to it that are like split into halves. So I think that the 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 part of assembling your cards and constructing your deck and you know executing on your theme, I feel like that is that that's a big part of the game for me. 
I, I huh. really enjoy the uh, like the, uh, the the entire period of time where I come up with a deck idea. I either have built that from finding a commander or I then hunt down and try to find a commander for it. I then hunt down and find all the cards. I then whittle down that pool of 8,000 cards into an actual legal commander deck, which that part takes upwards of five to seven years. And then... <laughs> And then once I have assembled it into a playable form, I then enter that deck into a whole new segment of the game for me, which is then playing it. And so that is then entering it against other decks that I see, playing it at the table, things like that. And I, uh, this is a not, I guess not to give away my overall point, but kind of um, in discussing this with uh, with my partner recently to try to just get all my thoughts out. I come to the phrase of just let me color in my my own damn coloring book. And that, that statement kind of for me, it's like, I, people get a coloring book and they buy all the crayons usually. So they, I'm not saying you have to make your own coloring book and you have to make all of your own crayons or markers or whatever, but you typically want to, at the least, be able to open the book and then color in all of the pictures with whatever colors you want. Right. And so mm-hmm. if I'm building, like I have, I've run into it a number of times where I've started to build a commander. Um, in fact, right when she came out, I built Najila, the blade blossom. Um, oh. I guess just so people, cause I've, uh, I've, I've now said her name twice. So I guess I'll explain what she does. Najila, the blade blossom is two and a red for a three, two legendary human warrior. She has, whenever a warrior attacks, you may have its controller create a 1-1 white warrior token that is tapped and attacking. And then for one mana of each color for Wooburg, Untap all attacking creatures. They gain trample, lifelink, and haste until end of turn. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. Activate this ability only during combat. So, I built Najila. Um, I believe at the time I built it starting from uh, Wedge at the Mana Sources Commander deck, where his was a uh, was warrior tribal but specifically it was like legendary warrior tribal and so he was building with as many legendary warriors as he could find and just kind of jamming them in there but it's after i played a couple rounds i played a couple matches with najila it's najila as a card is designed to just be the be all end all absolute best there is no competition warrior tribal commander and which means that because the commander is absolutely known as the strongest one, because it gives you access to the most warriors, it has the most relevant keywords on it, and it has all five colors, that means that the optimal version of the Najila deck is also basically known. And it's known really quickly, because it just goes, what are all the best warriors? That gets decided on really quickly. And it's not a card that, at least for me, has enough alternate takes to move it into, where I can have any fun in that first half there, like in that kind of hunting down the cards, finding things to fit my theme and that kind of thing. And it's gameplay line is so straightforward that I also don't, didn't find it that fun to literally play. Like hmm. my own, I think my most fun experience with Najila was the time I got blown out by somebody playing the spell new blood, which is a, a game control spell that changes all instances of one creature type on the card with vampire. And they were playing my <laughs> Edgar Markov deck, which is also a deck that I have deconstructed due to it not being fun to play. But my most mm-hmm. fun time with Najila was getting blown out by that spell against another tribal deck that was also equally kind of OP. So like, <laughs> and this is so like, this I think is a perfect card where it's, it wasn't then fun. It wasn't at least interesting or challenging for me to build around it. And then it also was not fun to play because of it being so strong at what it did. I am right. actually a firm believer at this point, And I've heard people mm-hmm. touch on this, that Najila, you could build the same way, like the exact same way as Ashling mm-hmm. the pilgrim. 
and you would probably still put up decent numbers. Like you could just have Najila <laughs> okay. yeah. and 99 mountains. And, and if still... people don't have a board presence by turn three, you're just going to start getting, <laughs> getting people. And then yeah. imagine if you're running other types of lands and actually activating the ability, mm-hmm. then, then yeah. it's over. You just run like <laughs> 20 of each basic. And then there you go. And I think uh-huh. somebody test it, and I bet it would be, it would it would hold up better than it has any right to to be just one thing on a stick. Right. Yeah, yeah, to just be the the yes. commander and nothing else. And then like, and I mean like that that's kind of I guess the that's the biggest thing for it. And I think one of the neat counterpoints. Um, recently, um, I'm not going to act as though we're the only content creators that exist, but we are, and you should only listen to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, in um, mm. a fairly recent Commander Clash episode during their season where they had a guest on for each uh, for each episode, they had on the professor at Tellerian Community College and his was a they each guest got to bring in their own rule set, basically. So they got to set the theme for that week. And his rule huh. set was I forget the verbiage that he used for it, but he called it like pure commander or true commander. And the the additional restriction into in addition to the hundred cards, the singleton and all that kind of stuff was that every card in your deck had to have been printed into a standard legal set. So it anything that was then uh-huh. made for Commander, quote-unquote, could not be played. So there was no Command Towers, there was no Arcane Signets, there was none of that kind of stuff. Um, because it's in hit, like... And I think that kind of echoes this thing where part of the fun for Commander is in finding, like, that... that uh, that gem of a card that's like super janky would never see play, but just so happens to be a perfect fit for this weird deck that you're brewing. And the more uh, like the more auto includes that the format has, the less often that happens. Cause like, yeah. there's just only yeah. so many times you can justify uh, playing a card that is obviously suboptimal. Like when soul ring exists, unless your group or whatever has taken an explicit <laughs> stance to ban that card. Yeah. That you that says people won't do it. People will not like it. People will have, which means people have less and less distinct decks. It means the format becomes homogenous and a big problem across every format right now is more and more of them are becoming homogenous. Uh, the big issue with standard is that it's just like one or two decks will become 80, 90% of the format. And then nobody wants to play standard anymore. Modern, I think has, uh, has avoided that now, but has gone through periods in the past of like Eldrazi winter, where there's just like one deck that's so dominant that the format starts to get less people to play. Cause it's either, do I want to play that deck or do I want to play against that deck? And neither one of them <laughs> is fun to you. You just kind of stop playing. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking through um I was looking through CEDH um mm-hmm. decks just to see how many of them run like uh commander specific like things that were printed in mm-hmm. commander decks and just uh you know not many I do think that this might be an older deck cuz I imagine that when you have a two and three drop commander that something like the the fierce guardianship, the new free cycle, yeah, of ones. I imagine that those could probably mm. start being just jammed into these uh, CEDH decks because partners are, you know, that was commander partners exclusive, and well, yeah. wouldn't you look at that? <laughs> Something. And so, like, as like a data point, one of the other things that I also did um, to prepare for it is I looked at um, on EDH Rec. They have over the past two years, which is I think 
most of the time that EDH rank has existed. Um, they have, they have, you can look at the top commanders, the most played commanders, either like in the past week, past months or past two years. Um, and of the top 20, 11 of them originated in it, it, what, what I have termed essentially commander sets. Now there are three there that I think you could argue, um, because Corvold, Alayla and Kinrith are in those top 11, mm. Alayla and Corvold having been in the brawl precons, which is commander light i guess to put it lightly <laughs> and then kenrith who i who is a card that i do think is designed for commander but he was printed directly into standard so he kind of hits on that you have to be subjective with it but the other ones are atraxa who is commander 16 edgar markov commander 17 yuriko commander 18 cast dissident mage commander 17 lord Windgrace, commander 18 marin of klonototh commander 15 the three from the brawl precons in the buy a box the Ur-Dragon, Commander 17, and Brea, Commander 16. All of these, most of them face box commanders, are in the top uh-huh. 20 of, like, the past two years. So, like, there's a bit of that that I think is people buying the pre-cons, which are the most accessible. Like, you can buy a pre-built deck and just start playing. Right. But over the past two years, people have not been changing these decks at all. They have not been making, like, their own deck really... They haven't been building anything from scratch. So it's either either I have to accept that they are taking and still playing the deck, you know, uh, <laughs> unchanged out of the box, which I doubt, but is technically possible. Right. Or there are these cards that are just strictly made for Commander and, you know, some of them going back five years that are still in some of the most played stuff, which means that the format is not evolving as much as it could be. There's not as much mm-hmm. unique stuff kind of in the in the format, as it were. I mean, gotcha. I, I definitely, I, am, uh, I do wonder. I'm a you know, shocked that there's so many mm-hmm. Corvold decks, right? Corvold. Which one is Corvold? So, Corvold. Whenever you the... sack a permanent, you draw a card. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's yeah. a it, it's a dragon noble. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's why. Um, no, but I, <laughs> I do, I do wonder. You know, I don't know how you would figure out to what degree those commanders being you know yeah exactly like you said the the face card the commander for those pre-made decks and then like Mm -hmm. if someone has that and then surely they surely hopefully they are kind of changing up the deck as they go but then maybe they're just more likely to keep that commander going yeah well i I just i don't know right now the way that edh rec works is that they don't have a person that stands at every single possible game store mm-hmm. or Walmart that watches you scan the deck, yeah. puts a check mark on it, and inputs the thing. These mm-hmm. are people who have gotten the cards and uh-huh. made decks and submitted them to EDH Rec. So, yeah. or Which, to one yeah. of the sites that yeah. is like a. So I am site very that doubtful that mm-hmm. out of like the five thousand two hundred forty-five <laughs> Moldrotha the Gravetide decks, well, yeah. you know that's a bad example. Let me scoot over to the right one. Atraxa. <laughs> voice. Out of the 5,159 yeah. decks, I'm doubtful yeah. that a lot of people just took their kit home and said, ooh, I'm going to upload my super duper yeah. Atraxa list, which is just the precon. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like to imagine that they do, but you are right that they don't. 
<laughs> well, and the, the other the other flip side of that though is like on EDH Rec, you can actually get a sample deck list, which is it pulls again because it's EDH Rec is not like a curated resource; it is an aggregate of data. And so, if you go to a particular commander and you click on sample deck list, what it's going to do is it's going to take the hundred most common cards across all deck lists and just uh-huh. assemble a simulacrum of what like your average run of the mill attracts a deck is and the thing is like now i have seen and this is and this is kind of the thing where it's tricky because it's you can intentionally subvert it and sometimes that is a lot of the fun because i have seen a uh sapperling tribal attracts a list that is all about proliferating uh-huh. the spore counters that old funguses oh. and old uh all things kind oh. of accumulate but I like that if I you like that. yeah like and that's really cool because of it being a subversion of this deck yeah. but it's like that is really only interesting because the dominant attracts the super friends or attracts the infect deck is so obvious where like i sit across from an attracts a table and I go, all right, I know it's one of these two, and neither of those are going to be fun for me. Um, yeah. But I, I actually I completely forget about Atraxa Infect. Like you right? said, you know, the two obvious ones <laughs> yeah. are like all the permanents or Infect. And I'm like, oh, Infect, right. <laughs> yeah, <she's> <laughs> flying Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, 4444. Four, four, four. That's probably uh, yep. pretty good. Proliferates? Yeah. Infect. Mm. Well, I'm glad I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I like... And, like, I think, though, that does come from, like, um, a to flip that around, though, because I think that the kind of question that I then beg is, I like, with all of that, if anyone in the audience does accept that argument as is, that I think it is better for players to be able to craft a more unique, personalized deck list, no matter why they're playing. Um, the I think the kind of question that then begs is, on what basis can I possibly argue that wizards should not make these things given that they do sell very well? Right. <laughs> Cause uh, yeah. there being this many Atraxa decks meaning means that there are this many Atraxas out there, which granted at this point, she has seen a reprinting in double masters, but prior to that, not really. And so if wizards is selling these and they're selling them seemingly pretty well, how could I possibly argue that they should not do that? Huh. And I think that's a very good question. Um, but I thank you. Yeah, no problem. I like to go ahead and shoot my <laughs> own foot. Thank you very much. I don't need uh, you to come to I'm, a conversation with a gun. I'm all, <laughs> yeah, you want to start a conversation with a gun? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a criminal. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like a it's like I, a race. <laughs> Pow! And you start talking. All conversations are are. I don't. I don't want to say all conversations are racist. I don't have a funny way to get out of that sentence. I'm trapped in, <laughs> like I'm taking laps in a race. Um, boy. But I, I, I think it's. I think it's indicative for Commander for the same reasons that Wizards has a. And this one, I think, is going to be pretty contentious because everything I've set up to this point has been just widely accepted and there's no issues. But uh-huh. with, uh, and I want to compare it specifically to, like, Standard. You would think that, obviously, a way that Wizards could always sell more packs and make more money would be to sell more powerful cards. Then you would always want to buy the new packs and you would be buying more things from Wizards at all times. 
and you can look at other games that are built this way explicitly. I think the most obvious example for me is actually Yu-Gi-Oh! That doesn't have a standard, quote-unquote. It is essentially all legacy, and so the only way that they can sell new cards is to sell cards that are better than the ones that they have previously made. That game is built on power creep. Now, they fix that by making very aggressive bans so that they will just ban whatever the previously most strong strategy was so that you can no longer play that deck. And then there will be new cards for you to then play with a new archetype for a while. And Hmm. then they will unban those old cards to then reintroduce that old archetype and things like that. But that essentially means like there isn't the rotation that takes a deck out. It Uh is a cards card or cards are actively banned out and then released to then get people to buy packs but in magic the problem there is that if the standard game that they're playing is not fun it doesn't matter that the new cards are stronger they will just stop playing we're seeing a lot of people get burnt out on standard because of that very thing that it's like the ramp deck has been the deck for like what a year at this uh, point a year and a half yeah. year and a half it's had some pieces slot in and really? out but it's still there and like you could you could even look at they printed new omnath which if i were to be cynical which i can i guess <laughs> for the sake of argument they printed to be a new stronger card so that you couldn't just have uro and then they banned out the other stronger piece there so that you then gotta have, get the new packs. i have an interesting yeah. theory about that i genuinely think and this and I may be very wrong, um, but I genuinely think that when they made Uro, they 100% knew what they were doing. I think mm-hmm. that they said, this is a card that is very strong. And I think that it, you know, Uro and Commander is strong too, but like as, as a commander, I don't think I'd be that threatened by an Uro across from me <laughs> at a table because it has to die once and then it doesn't have any evasion tacked onto it. Yeah. It's ramp and stuff, but people run a million ramp and things in commander all the time. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's a bad commander, but, Mm -hmm. and I think that when they made Uro, they're like, this is going to be a monster in standard. And that's where all the money's going to go. And I Mm -hmm. genuinely don't think they meant Omnath to be as good as it was, but I, I think that it's, it's a, it's a theory, Mm -hmm. but you know, wizards, Things are different than they used to be because of Arena. And this this is... I'm going to be kind of uh, just reiterating a point I've heard be- before. Um, but Arena has changed things a lot. Sets mm-hmm. come out on Arena, uh, you know, like three weeks, almost a month before they're actually out in paper. Mm-hmm. How it used to work is that Wizards has their internal design team or whatever that play tests these standard cards. But mm-hmm. do you think that their playtest design team, you know, even if they were to play every day or, you know, something like that, just a whole bunch of games, do you think that they're going to be able to catch things that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people all with an internet connection, all set up at the same time who can just play uninterrupted for 24 hours on end because they're just at their house playing. Do you think wizards is going to actually catch these kinds of problematic, horrible things that keep happening. I don't think so. I don't think that they're set up for it. I don't think they're set up for the influx that happens Mm -hmm. when they release it. And then they're just like, Hey, here we go. We've, we've opened up our test team, um, by the, by like a million, (laughs) 
Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh God, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they've quite caught up to um to that. And I don't know how they catch up to it at this point. But I, mm-hmm. I genuinely don't believe. I, I think that when they designed Omnath, they said it's four different colors. How would they ever? Playing three different lands yeah. in a turn. How yeah. could they possibly? And mm-hmm. then I think somebody, several thousand somebodies figured it out. Yeah. And so I don't, I think Uro a million percent intentional. I think Omnath is running rampant because they don't know what they're doing internally. Right. But I don't, I can't in my brain, because Omnath just got so much stuff going on. It's almost too cartoonish mm-hmm. to have been <laughs> intentional. It's yeah. such a commander bait card. It's just like, oh, yeah. it's got like eight abilities, all this stuff. And like Uro just is good, good. But Omnath yeah. is like, oh, you got you got to really try for it to get those landfall triggers. But then you don't and you never had to. I, I just <laughs> feel I mean, it, I think it's totally a valid point that like they're they're testing team is not as big as all the people on arena and they can't catch everything mm-hmm. but something like yeah i i 100 agree they they had to have known what uro was when they designed him and they knew he'd still be there or would have still been there with omnath there are some things <laughs> they should catch That's, i so it, i don't know I think to to compare it to like another common saying, I think it's a situation where the magic community, especially the ones playing on arena and the ones, you know, playing in standard consistently. um, It it reminds me, especially in that kind of comparison between them and the, uh, the designers who work on the future, future league who play the sets, you know, a year before they're out and things like that. Um, I think it's a situation like the saying where if you have a million monkeys on a million typewriters, they eventually make, the next broken Omnath deck and standard. So, <laughs> and they're going to want a glass compa- of milk. And they're going to want a glass of milk and you never give them a cookie after midnight. There's too many references, but like, if you, <laughs> I, I think the comparison though is because the, the, you have the people who are designing the cards and then not always fully separately, but I think from, from the articles that I've been reading and prep for this one, um, it is they will design a card, hand it over to the people they have in the future future league. They will mm. play with that card, try to break it, tinker with the decks they have, things like that. And they will then give feedback. This specific example, actually, um, and kind of an, another thing I do want to touch on is the um, the fire design. Philosophy oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was yes. going to if you didn't. The fire design relatively new. I, in a bit, but it's the um, so under fire design in an or in a relevant and a related article, they were talking about. I think it has been since War of the Spark, or at the oh, at the latest, it is with the design of um, uh, Ravnica Allegiance. Um, they were talking about how that change in design has been affecting some of the cards that have come out. And they specifically in the one article that I read um, by, in fact, I think it was Dave Humphreys um, up on the mothership. He talks about Oko and he talks about mm-hmm. how um, they handed Oko over to Melissa Del Toro and another person whose name I forget on the future future league. And they had notes. And I think kind of an interesting thing there though is Oko still got released. So the obvious conclusion mm-hmm. that I draw is that that means that of, among those players, Oko as released was at a level that is 
that is dealable. Like you can handle that. But I think that's kind of the double-edged sword of, I believe that the future future league is of exclusively deeply enfranchised and professional level magic players. And I don't Uh, disagree that a player who has that really, you know, honed competitive and professionally playing magic mindset can deal with Oko. As a commander player, I saw Oko get released and I was literally like, what is the big deal? One of the four (laughs) players will deal with it. But like, right. Among your standard players, it's kind of, um, if anyone in our audience that has listened to our core 21 set review with the new Teferi that came out, the kind of take on it was, I don't think, uh, at least my take, if I remember correctly, was that I don't think that the new Teferi is a problem at all at high tier tables, but is an absolute monster at your average EDH table. And I think Uh. Oko and a lot of the really busted cards that we're seeing are that exact kind of design, but for standard that we're seeing the real problems with where Oko, if Oko is getting play in a group of all pro players, he's still powerful. I don't want to discount that he can deal with any permanent. That's Mm -hmm. ridiculous, but it is less of an issue among all players who are all playing at the highest level of play. But Oko absolutely is an like a backbreaking monster of a card to the bulk of standard players. And that's where I think that's like you said, Daniel, that's where like all of the arena players have that edge because it's, I mean, even if it weren't, you know, thousands of them, I think it's just like hundreds would be enough there. Cause it's just a bunch of people playing at a level that the future future league, I don't necessarily know or think has access to. I don't think the people in that part of R and D are playing at that level. And if they're not, Oh, and I think in coupled with to loop it back around, cause I know Josh wanted to get to it and looping that uh-huh. with the fire design philosophy. I feel like that might be where that kind of break point is. Um, fire to help Josh and anyone else listening who has maybe not heard the, hasn't heard it before. Us fire designs. Uh, well, it's, I actually just started hearing about it recently in the wake of people talking about why standard so bad, but um, <laughs> okay. all right. Fire is, it's always in all of the articles that I've seen, it's cited by Aaron Forsyth, who I think is currently the director of research and development, but I could be wrong about his title. Um, but fire is a design philosophy that was around, basically to summarize all four points, it's to make all of the cards from common up more exciting, flashy, and powerful. Essentially with the goal being that even at common, they're going to push the power level up so that the overall power window of cards at common between between common and mythic rare is actually smaller. So essentially power it it by the nature of it powering up cards at common it powers up really kind of everything. And huh. I think like my personal take on that is I I think that's an effort to make more cards have the appeal that cards have in commander where you're playing cards that have big dumb splashy effects. Yes. And so that it kind of uh-huh. commanderizes standard and modern and all these other formats. Whenever I hear about fire design, all I think is that they look at cards and then figure out ways to tack on draw a card at the bottom. <laughs> or uh, at the top, like four color Omnath does. Yeah, yeah uh, but for, uh, so the, to break down fire is an acronym and they say that F is for fun. They want the game to be fun to play. For play design specifically, they say it's about having interesting decisions, diverse gameplay experiences, and each game being unique, which again, I think is directly tied to how Commander ideally is. Now, Commander achieves that 
by having an, a, a a ridiculously large card pool and yes. being a format that was that oh, that inherently rewards unique deck building and player expression. I don't think it mm. rewards that by having all of the commons be busted, but that's just me. <laughs> um, I is for inviting, and it says that the game should be accessible. So from playing design's perspective, that means that format should be ex- accessible to newer or less enfranchised players by having uh-huh. resonant cards, quote unquote, and comprehensible gameplay. I think that Commander being a very social format and having, even if you are brand new, I think the, the thing that um, in one of Gavin Verhey's articles about 2020 is the year of Commander is talking about uh-huh. how Commander is actually the best format for new players because you have three people there who are helping you learn how to play. I yeah, think it is. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I think it is the most inviting format, but I think it also achieves that by not having the cards that you see. Uh, what what is the rate in a 15 card booster seven to a pack all be busted i don't think commander achieves it by that again that's just me r is for replayability the key aspects of replayability are balance and diversity that's just laughable on the face of it if you think it's standard <laughs> that i think yeah. is just i think r gets an f on this one that one is just well i not think r case. just stands for wrong <laughs> oh, but i, again, I think... spelled it incorrectly because uh, that's just how bad it is um, think, going back well, to if the they spelled I, it correctly, it would be fow, fowy, fowy, fowy. Yeah, going back to the I, Daniel. Yeah, going yeah. back to the I, talking about like, um, because at the I think at the end there you said I don't know if that means that all the commons should be broken. I, yeah, I do think yeah. that uh, more often than not in your typical commander game, um, you'll probably see, uh, in regards to commons. Yeah, it's going to be mostly rares, maybe a yeah. smattering of old uncommons uh, before they knew yeah. how anything worked, like uh, Swords <laughs> to Plowshares, things like that, Brainstorm, right. um, and basic lands. But I, I do think that... Um, I do think yeah, that the, the, that commons, the not, commons thing is just... That like one that. might not be as strong yeah. as all of the other yeah. points. I'll yeah, take yeah. that. I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, like it's replayability and balance and diversity. I would argue that Commander... Even even with like the caveats that I gave, like these are the top twenty most played decks. Commander also has twenty most played decks in it. Like Commander, even in the state it's in, where there is a lot, like half of those are precon decks. I still think Commander, if you go, if you approach it as a format, it inherently is just one of the most diverse, and that has I think something to do with the fact that it's not tournament based. So the victor, the Russian winning a game only has relevance if you enjoy winning in that moment. You're not actually going to make any money off of that. There's no tournament structure. There's no other incentive to win. And yeah. so you will then, like, if you're sitting down at a table where everyone's trying to win, I don't know. Like, granted, I've seen, you know, uh, content creators, so they're going to inherently try to be diverse. But I haven't seen a four-person pod of everybody playing Thrasios Timna. But, like, <laughs> I, think, I think another thing is, the you know, it being a diverse and relatively balanced format i think that's also a commander thing it is the format is known for being a diverse and having a lot of different decks that are viable depending on your table right oh yeah well and that's the that is a thing that i do like about commander that standard can't pretend to have Mm -hmm. is that you know and it is an arbitrary number but people do abide by a power level yeah um of like one to ten or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, if somebody's coming up with their, like, uh, Wasatori, is it Wasatori? Oh, the uh, cat dragon. Yeah, yeah the, the cat the dragon deck. And they're just bringing it in. They're just like, I just want to make some dragon cats. And, like, that's yeah. their focus. They just want to make some dragon cats. And, you know, like, I think that deck is probably going to be, like, a four or a five. 
if like their sole purpose is to just make cat dragons. And then, yeah. um, and, and, and so other thing. people that are just like, oh, a four or five, I'm pretty sure I got a four or five around yeah. here. And it's kind of but like, like in standard, you like, you sit down at a table, you're like, oh, I'm playing with like a two for the standard tournament. And just like, like okay. Clear <laughs> my Omnath, it is a 10. Um, uh-huh. Good game. <laughs> good game. Uh, it's turn two. I've done it. Yeah. And then uh, E is for exciting. Players should be excited to read cards and play with them. I don't think anyone at this point is reading Omnath anymore. They're just going as the game over. Well, um, and it, <laughs> here I think is where they might have made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, because they say exciting people want to read the cards because the cards are exciting um but i don't know if anybody reads cards because they're exciting anymore i think they read the cards because there's eight different lines of rules text. <laughs> there's right, so yeah. much that it's doing yeah i feel like, like that I'm, has like, been escalating lately like um mm-hmm, maddening sure. cacophony is one that I would say is uh-huh. just like, that's not a lot of rules text. It's real easy, but that's exciting. You, you kick this thing and you mill everybody half of their deck. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But that's just like two lines at most of rules text. That's yeah. exciting. But then they, you know, they have like the Uro and the croxes and mm-hmm. the, and the right. questing beast by golly. It's, it's yeah. like, <laughs> or enters the battlefield. Yeah. It does all these effects. It has this alternate casting cost. You do all these things, but like it's <laughs> excitement about reading a card is I think if I could, if I could single any one of these out as the most commander thing, it is picking up a card and going, what the hell is this? And what does it do? That I think is yeah. the most. Oh commander yeah. Thing. And commander. That's like, incredibly <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, specifically, so like that is the current design philosophy. But what's really funny about Commander it, it, is that mm-hmm. that becomes more true the older cards you use. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's because the of fire novelty. design is yeah. like people get excited about these old exciting cards because they're old, and, and, and that's then they're just like, like wow, yeah. that's that already existed. That's crazy. And that's Gilded the thing that Drake? I think. I think it's a thing where like it's kind of where a lot of this design philosophy it's flawed at its base because like like you mentioned there a lot of the that like that specific excitement of like what is this card is because you found some draft chaff from 20 years ago that just so (laughs) happens to perfectly line up with this jank ass commander you built but it's the excitement there is because of it being a card that they would not have seen before because it has not seen a bunch of play. Whereas if you're designing all of your cards like that, you're trying to make it so that every card people are looking at and going, whoa, this is awesome, which means they have seen it before and they're probably going to stop picking it up to look at it because they've been seeing Omnath for the 15th game in a row. So like, right. it's kind of this thing where you can't print a new card that you want to you want that card to see a lot of play if you also want players to pick it up having not seen it before like those two things are at odds with one another at least in a standard environment where the exact pool is small enough to be relatively known yeah and and just the more it's like a child with two hot wheels that he's smashing against each other was asked like Mm -hmm. hey what would be cool in a card he's like oh man when it when it gets there it should do this and then and then i think and then the car ramps off the other and he's like oh and if you play a land it should do that and and also also you can't kill it it doesn't you can't kill it you can't kill it if you try to kill it it goes it it come back because it has a it's got a respawn shield so it never dies so it never goes away and And then they ban it 
and, and so and like we look at because because of the articles that have come out we know that since ravnica allegiance has been whenever they've had this design philosophy and so in ravnica allegiance off the top of my head we have hydroid crisis in there which was not uh-huh. ban worthy but was certainly a very big boy problem because it mm-hmm. is just like so it, it hits the field gains you life gets you card advantage and then you remain with having a flample beater I'll there. tell you what, though. I'll give mm-hmm. props to them for the Ravnica sets because mm-hmm. their fire design was a lot more subtle with things like Wilderness Reclamation. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. card, it's yeah. so simple and clean. One yeah. line of rules text, but man, <laughs> did that thing suck to play against. That was crazy. And, and so, so, like, so, Wizards, just so you know... If you're listening, you don't have to have so many lines of rules text to have busted cards. You can do it. I challenge you to just make your next busted card one line of rules text. I want to see it again. I miss it. I don't want a thing to be busted for four different reasons. I want it to be busted for one very good reason. And so, like, we look at the the amount of cards they've had to just ban out of standard for trying to make standard be commander. And, like, again, as someone who does primarily play commander, I don't want every format to be commander. Because I have commander to be commander. And if I want to play commander, I will play commander. And, like, I know that that sounds really complicated. Because I did just say commander, like, a whole bunch. But uh. I also have played arena and I've played standard. And I specifically will do that when I am not actively playing. Like, if I have Commander as an option and that's what I want to play, I'm just going to, like, play it. I'm not going to play another format to have it be Commander. And I think if you're trying to design everything to be effectively, like, under one format's design umbrella, I think that hurts the game because it strictly does mean that your game now appeals to fewer people. It It appeals to fewer player types. I think I think what they're going for, because they you know, if the idea is let's try to turn standard into commander, it is because commander, I think at this point is what makes them the most money. They want things to well, Mm. it's not that to say that they want to maybe it is that they just want to get commander players to play standard. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to, because commander players are mostly, like especially in franchised ones, are buying off of secondary market at this point. Yeah, they're buying so like yeah, Not so. many of them are buying boxes to crack them because everything is singleton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most of the really fun, cool cards are old. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, maybe that's kind of what they're going for, is to and try so- to bring in... The, like their into, biggest player mm-hmm. base into standard but i feel and, like well and i and I, I think here's the thing right so it's to kind of go back to like my original things about what attract people to commander i feel like fire design that they're doing for standard and other i, I mean that's the only format that they make new cards for more or less that's just wrong i'm gonna scratch that from the record but fire <laughs> design i think i think is on its face i think is the absolute wrong way to do it because it doesn't actually get commander players excited for the reasons that commander players play commander so like yeah. we go back to like my original archetypes there is you have the social you have the competitive and you have the player expression competitive i think is easy you just make a strong interesting and diverse standard environment like we have had for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and years prior to 2017 like uh, uh to to name drop again but saffron olive ahead of the most recent wave of bannings did a retrospective on bannings and standard 
And like until mm. 2017, Standard as a format had had 10 years of no bans. So there had not been a wow. single card that was egregious to the point of needing bans. And not only like since 2017, we've had a ton of them. So it's not like yeah. we've had one or two. It's there was a period between like 07 and 2017 where there's none of them. And then there's a ton. So, but I think the takeaway there is social people do play magic because it is a social game where you sit across from another person. I would argue that arena diminishes that because there's not a lot of interaction there. You can't socialize with your opponent might be a good thing. Cause there's some, uh, there's a lot of online toxicity that happens, but I think that point uh -huh. still stands. Arena is less social than magic in general. Um, but again, it's, you have to have players who are in standard for that, for that argument for the same reasons and that's because they're on the they're kind of that hybrid between competitive and social because standard is a format for players who like to play more competitively because it actually has a tournament structure to it and player expression i think can only exist if you have cards that are not uh to use another phrase i i mentioned earlier that aren't auto includes like it's not as yeah. though you could play standard right now and not play omnath you absolutely can but because there's such an obvious auto include in your format it's the same thing where people ask you why aren't you running this whereas at a commander table that just means you have to explain your deck whereas at a tournament you know for standard that means that you're out the money you paid to enter the tournament so people <laughs> are even less likely to do that because there is a there are these quote auto includes and if they become yeah and a like, thing about commander that I that I found because I've I've played at a few more stores with mm -hmm. kind of randos than I think you guys have well, yeah I played at one store yeah. with randos but like yes. that online that question pops up a lot like if you're on like a subreddit or something and you're mm -hmm. talking about a deck list but in person people don't ask those questions because really the question people are asking online is, are you poor or yeah. are you stupid? <laughs> mm -hmm. But normally if somebody is watching you play, you know, at most they'll just be like, Oh, Hey, it's this deck. Do you have that in there? And you're just like, nah. And just like, and that's oh, really, okay. yeah. Because yeah. you know, they don't, a normal person isn't going to ask why do you not have the money? Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. <laughs> it's just Like that's, because you're Cause with people and you don't want to be a it, jerk. The, it's, I mean, I think that's the, the people, definitely the people who are playing in random pods at an LGS are playing even more so, I think, for that social aspect. Yes. And I think, like, Magic as a game, I think that is a strength that is unique to it, especially among other card games, right? Where it's like, I, I have played in standard tournaments where at the end of it, someone did, like, like uh and i have been on both sides of this where like after losing a match someone has been willing to like give me constructive feedback on my deck where like them and i look at my cards and they make recommendations based on what i want to play i have played a commander match at our lgs where afterwards he literally asked me if i would look through his deck and make deck recommendations and i sat down for like was like 30 minutes to an hour just going through this person's locust god deck and making recommendations and like Hearthstone players don't do that. Uh, like other other like other things that I feel like a Wizards kind of really goes for don't do that. And that's a thing where it's if I have just sat across an Omnath player and I've played a miserable game of Magic, I can I think be forgiven for not wanting to then socialize with that person for the next thirty minutes while we wait for rounds. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of this thing where like on all of these axes. They're, they're trying to appeal for what I think you could, if you aren't 
in it, which it'd be it's weird for me to say. Even like it feels weird for me to say that Wizards is not really into or clued into what makes Commander players want to play it. But like, I feel like the Fire Design articles that I've seen indicate that they have like this really weird surface level understanding of what makes com- people play Commander that I don't think uh-huh. actually is accurate. Like, I don't think it, it really speaks to what is getting people who play Magic to play Commander. It's like a Christmas present from your aunt, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, you're into Commander? I know what that is. And she gets you like a G.I. Joe. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like the feel. Like, their understanding is just a little cattywampus. Auntie yeah. Wizards. Right. <laughs> it's old Auntie Wizards. Like, it's, they, they, have, they bought me a shirt that has a cat and a burrito on it. And it says burrito. Because they know that I like jokes and I like cats. And I'm like technically i can see how you arrived to this decision on paper but it feels <laughs> like if you had had like a conversation with me you would have known not to do this <laughs> even just like if you would actually just like sat and like listened to feedback from me and and, and actually taken that feedback constructively you would have not given me this kind of shirt which ha <laughs> Really funny thing, Drew. Hey there, everybody. This is Drew. So uh, we want to thank you for listening to that episode. Let us know in the comments or wherever you interact with us on social media um, what you think about our and my opinions on um, cards designed for Commander, the types of Commander players. Are we way off base? Do you, as a Commander player or as a standard player, do you really like um the way a lot of new cards are designed uh just let us know any of that down below we'll likely try to uh look at just some of the feedback to this episode and then use that in the future um and kind of circle back around this discussion um just so we can kind of get a bit more uh a lot of this was just kind of our personal takes on it um we'd love to know kind of what you think so we can incorporate that in the future um like i said at the top um we split the remaining recording out of this episode into its own just again to make it a bit more digestible um so if you do want to hear uh our discussions on secret layers which are literally about to be had before i butted in and cut out the rest of the episode um they are also up today please do check those out And same thing as this. Let us know what you think. Um, Other than that, I want to thank my other hosts, Josh and Daniel, uh, for doing the episode. Thank you for listening. And we'll hear from you soon, maybe. I don't know how hearing from you works on the internet. Like and subscribe.